Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. Did anybody get into the Hebrews uh, early this morning with some coffee? Hebrew? Did you brew some coffee? A little pastor joke there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So glad that you're here. Glad that you're in the house of God. If you've ever dealt with betrayal or it's something on your heart, check out first service. The Lord gave me a good word on betrayal. And as I always remind you to check them out, I also remind them to check you out what God is doing here in the book of Hebrews. This is a powerful passage about Jesus, our high priest. Let me just get right into it because I have so many verses in theology to give you, but I want to end with some practical applications. But let me just ask this. How many have already gone to the throne of grace by the high priest Jesus? That's what we were already doing, right? If you were worshiping with us, you could only do that because of Jesus being your high priest. How many have called on the name of the Lord? Did he answer? You want to know why he did? Because Jesus was there. (laughs) If Jesus wouldn't have been there, you would have been talking to the Buddha statue and nobody would have responded back just like they do. But you have a witness, you have an elder brother, the Bible says, and you have a high priest before the Father that's got your back. Amen. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Somebody say firmly. Firmly. In this generation like never before, you got to hold on to your faith. You have to hold on to the faith that's been handed down to you. Now, I know that I have enough gray hair, a gray hair to be considered an old person by a lot of people here. I'm still one of the oldest in the church. And by the way, all the rest of you that have gray hair, thank you for coming. I'm glad I'm not alone anymore. Amen. We've got abuelas here. We've got grandmas and grandpas. Okay, we're coming up. We're coming up. Oh, and congratulations to Des, our worship leader. She just had her second grandbaby, right, with Kayla. Make sure I got that right. And God is doing a great work. But I want to just share this with you. I have a faith that I hold on to, not because my parents handed it down to me, but because I have touched the live wire of heaven and has, have experienced it myself. Can I hear an amen for some personal testimonies? Do you have a personal testimony? Say amen. Amen. That means you're not here because your parents just brought you. And I see young people with their parents. I'm glad that's happening. And as long as they're paying the bills, they decide what you do on Sunday. Can I hear an amen for that? Okay, and if you don't like it, you can try it on your own. And let me just tell you this, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I left my house at 16 years old, so I didn't have to go to my parents anymore. And by the time I was eight eight years old, I was wishing I would die. My life was falling apart. I was hooked up on drugs, and, and I had, man, I had a lot of issues. So listen, you would rather be a church kid with problems than be a homeless kid couch surfing with problems. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so church kids, you guys got it good around here. And if mom and dad are not acting right, let us know because we are advocates for children. We don't, we don't allow abuse in this place. But if you're being loved on by your parents and the worst thing they say to you is you have to come with me to church, you got good parents, amen? How many of you were raised that way? Aren't you glad you were raised that way? You went to church. I'm so tired of this generation talking bad about church, man. I've been listening to all of these stories of the cults because I'm teaching on it right now by God's grace in a cemetery. I mean, seminary, it's a good place. It's a, we got the Holy Spirit there. And one of the things I'm having to learn is you think church problems are bad. You should hear about Scientology problems. 
you should hear about guru yoga problems. Imagine coming home and seeing the guru having the naughty stuff with your family. I mean, you know, happening with your spouse. I mean, this kind of stuff is happening all over the place. Well, that, that's the curse upon a generation that doesn't want Jesus but wants a man. I got a man, but he's the God man, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so be careful, my friends, when you think the grass is greener over there. Oh, look at my parents. You know, they're so woke. You know, they, they let Betty be Bob, you know, and transgender and all that. No, man, you haven't seen where that ends up. You haven't seen the confusion of that. Just check out on YouTube, a lot of you young people, the people who regret getting those surgeries, the people uh, like Beckett, I forget his last name, Beckett Cook, thank you, Jesus, who came out of homosexuality in Hollywood and how grateful he is uh, and, and was that someone preached to him while he was at Starbucks. Let me just tell Beck, Beckett Cook's story real quick. Would you put him up there from his YouTube channel? Anyone that ever, uh, anyone, first of all, that just loves preaching, listen to Beckett Cook. But anyone that has a heart for the LGBT community, listen to him, share him. He's always got great guests on others coming from that same community. But this is one of the things that he said that really stuck in my heart, Brother Lawrence. He said, I'm so glad that somebody took the time in Starbucks to witness to me and my boyfriend because I never would have known the true gospel if they would have done, wouldn't have done that. He thought he knew about Jesus, you know, brought, brought up in church in some way or fashion, you know, went to a couple church services. But, you know, other than just heaven and hell, maybe Jesus on the cross, he didn't understand. You know, he didn't get why homosexuality was considered a sin. He just thought maybe that was what some people believed. But while he was at Starbucks, people like us, somebody say like us, like us, witness to him. And that's why you got to be ready. This brother, you got to follow Wayman and, and, and put up, when we get done with this, put up Wayman's Instagram. This brother's preaching in airports, restaurants. Whenever the Spirit of the Lord touches him, he goes. And that's what I love about him too, by the way, is that he doesn't just preach in stadiums. He also preaches wherever he goes. Can I hear an amen for that? Because I've met some evangelists. that will, They'll preach in the stadium, but they won't preach on the streets. This brother's doing both and in airports and all of that. This man's testimony is amazing. So now listen, he's in Starbucks, he's there with his boyfriend, and somebody took the chance to start a conversation. And as they started a conversation with him, it was so odd to him. This is what he says in his testimony. It was so odd that he wanted to actually check out if people really believed what they were telling him. And that was, you know, there's heaven and hell, and then there's these sins, but Jesus will set us free from those sins. So he went to the church service as a spectator, just curious, because because no one had ever even did that for him. So as a homosexual, I don't know if he came with his boyfriend or not. I don't know the story exactly. But I know when he went, he felt the Spirit of God so strong that by the end of the service, he was a bucket of tears just weeping, went to the altar, got set free, and has never looked back. Come on, can I hear an amen? Powerful. But somebody had to do it. Somebody had to reach out and touch him. Look at your neighbor and say, reach out and touch somebody. Amen. I'm going to give you Wayman's uh, full name here, W-E-Y-M-A-N, and then the rest of it's Dodson, D-O-D-S-O-N. I want you to put up his Instagram, please. This brother, oh, there it is. Okay, so scroll up a little bit, scroll up a little bit. This brother's wild. This is what I love about him. Look at this right here. Preaching in stadiums. Come on, somebody give it up for Nicaragua for Jesus. Amen. And then now go to the, yeah, the airport. Let's give it up for the airport for Jesus. Man, how many know somebody afraid of flying is going to get saved right there? I'm, I, yeah, I better get Jesus right now. Oh, man, look at this one down here. This is dream. How many of y'all dreaming about this happening in our country again? Amen. 
Lord, do it. Where was this? My, oh, that's Nicaragua too. They got it. Oh, that's Honduras with a guy named Mangua, Nicaragua. Oh, that's this. That's a promotion for this Saturday. Okay, got you. Praise God. Somebody say the nations belong to Jesus. Now go back to this passage, Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. I am not holding to the faith of Christianity because just my parents did it. Imagine being like Beckett Cook today in church and then somebody walking by that church going, look at all those religious people. I bet you they're there just because their parents raised them Christian. If they would have been raised Buddhist, they would be in a Buddhist temple. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. He would stop and go, no, 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 you don't know my story. And for most of you here today, how many of you have come back to church in this church or got saved and this was your first church? Raise your hand. Look at the testimonies. Come on, raise your hand. You got saved in this church or you came back to church here? See, these, these people weren't required to come. These people came on their own. A lot of times what I do is I talk to the teenagers who don't want to go to youth group. I say, look at TJ when he was in the youth ministry. He could run the streets and do whatever he wanted for the most part, unless mama would get a hold of him, you know. But he chose to be in church. He wasn't a church kid in that sense. He chose to come to church because he knows what the streets out there have. How many today chose to be here? And you're going to hold firmly to it. And let me just tell you, all religions are not the same. I do believe that there is a a, a thread of truth that traces through all religions because all religions have something to do with humans. And all humans are going to value a certain amount of things the same. So I don't think a Buddhist is going to want to eat you alive and, and you know, sacrifice you. Uh, that's odd to a Buddhist. How many know human sacrifice would be odd to them, right? Can I hear an amen? How many love some Buddhist people, okay? How many know your Hindu neighbor wouldn't want to go Indiana Jones with you? How many know that? Anybody remember Indiana Jones? Okay. I, I believe Muslims, same thing. I believe most people understand in their religion that you got to love people, treat them nice, be a good neighbor, do unto others as you want to be done unto you, honor your parents, you know, be honest on your job. All religions are going to have that somewhat of truth in there. But where does that thread go back to? That goes back to the Word of God. When you study the Scriptures, it was the Word of God that shows us that we were once all one people, one race, the human race, we're still that, but we all used to be one culture, and we were together. But there at the Tower of Babel, which we kind of get the word, you know, Babel, and in, in, in speak in different languages. If you don't understand, it sounds like Babe, a Babel when someone's doing that. The, the reason that that happened was because God cursed because with their unity of culture, they wanted to ascend to heaven and be a God themselves. And God said, no, I'm not going to let you guys do this. So then they separated according to their language. And then in their various geographical locations, they got the DNA and then the different kinds of uh, things that we would see now as culture. And that's why most people, up until a few years ago in the American experiment, were pretty much homogeneous. That just means the same genes. They were among the same people, Polish people, interbred with Polish people, you know, uh, people in the continent of Africa only did it there, you know, with, with people in Africa, and then India, and so forth, and so now we finally see in countries like United States, of, uh, United States of America, a great melting pot, how many are glad we have a melting pot here, amen, see, I'm married to a Greek woman, that probably wouldn't have happened before, you know, a Polish person never would have married a Greek person, never would have known her, right, but now you can be married to different people and get to know them, but, but here's the thing, my friends, what is it pointing to, it's pointing to God wanting to build his his church and for us to have the truth again. So just because now you look back and say, well, where did, you know, that religion, 
come from, and that's interesting. Oh, and there's things unique. I mean, there's things that are similar to Christianity, and there's things that are unique about it. And, and uh, you know, what makes this any uh, different than any other religion? I think I can have a little bit of this or a little bit of that. That's not the way you're supposed to look at it. What you're supposed to do is take Christianity, filter it with all, uh, take those religions, rather, and filter them through Christianity. Somebody say, through Christianity. Thank you. Take those religions, filter them through Christianity, and then give them the truth. So right now you have Hindu neighbors, and guess what? They still have priests. How many know in, in Hinduism there are priests right now offering sacrifices to their gods? Anybody know that? Put that up there for me, please. Hindu priest temple, and make sure you don't share anything naughty. Some of these temples actually have pornography. We're not talking like Adam and Eve stories. We're actually talking about sex scenes. Okay, some of their gods have been quite naughty. If you have ever watched a telenovela, is that how you say it? Telenovela? I did say it right the first time. Thank you. Thank you, gracias. If I mess it up, she said I got it right, so talk to her. No, I'm kidding. Or a soap opera, that's what their gods are like, right? But they sacrifice to these gods. They believe in these gods. They serve these gods. Well, you're not supposed to look at that and go, well, that's good that they hold on to their faith, and then I'm going to hold on to my faith, and then we'll just find what we have in common and then be good neighbors. No, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is look at what you have in common, yes, but filter it through Christianity and then show them that Jesus Christ is the answer. How many believe Jesus Christ is the answer? It's not just for American Christians on Sunday. Jesus Christ is the answer for these people that are going to Hindu temples today. Let's put up this one right here. This guy looks like a guy that's having some fun at his temple. There he is. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about culture for a minute. Let's just talk about culture. How many think it would be a little bit weird if I was topless today preaching to you? A little weird. How many would think a little, you wouldn't think it was weird? How many would think it was a little weird? I'm looking at some of you guys, and you're like, no, I think it would be cool. Try it. No, it would be a little different. I'm not making fun of the culture, but, you know, I'm just telling you. That's what they're doing. But hold on. What do you see right there? That's an idol. Now, just ask yourself this question. Is that guy over here in the actual, like, take a um, intelligent test, is he a stupid person? Of course he's not. He's made in the image of God. But why is he decorated that idol? Because he believes that that idol represents his God. He's not so stupid to actually think that's the God itself. That's not what he's saying. He's not dumb. Somebody say he's smart. They are smart people. How many have met, I think this is Indian people, how many have met some people from India and they're pretty smart, <laughs> right? I think percentage-wise, they have the highest rate of being doctors in our country than any other culture and community. So they're smart. They're very smart, okay? This has nothing to do with that kind of intelligence. As people would say, there's emotional intelligence, there's book smarts. This is religious intelligence. In that way, he's a fool. But here's what he believes, though. He believes that his God is represented by this idol, and as he treats that idol, his God will see it and recognize it and do something good for him. Somebody go, ah. See, that's what he thinks. But he's a fool according to God. Why? Because that's not the God of the Bible. That thing did not make him. I don't know what idol that is. But as I've had to learn about the gods of Hinduism, they're not like the God of the Bible. First of all, most of these gods are all created gods. How many know no God created our God? He's always been God. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. See, the God that we worship has no beginning and no end. When we talk about the universe and we say to people, where do you think it came from? And they go, oh, the Big Bang. And then we say back to them, what do we say back to them? 
who banged it. You guys know how we roll around here. And then we show them it's our God who does all of that, right? You know what the first question they ask us after that is? Well, who started God? I mean, if, if the universe had a beginning and God had to bang it, well, then who started God? But then we say to them, God, by definition, according to a Christian, has no beginning and no end. And then sometimes they try to get slick and they go, well, I, I believe that about the universe. The universe has no beginning or end. And then we go, do you science much? Because if you look at science, the Big Bang comes from the science that there was a beginning point. There was a singularity. Everything is spreading out. And at one time it had come in. We just disagree on the time frame. We don't think God made Adam as a little baby. He made him as a grown man. And when he made the universe, he didn't need 20 billion years to do it. He made a full-grown universe. Come on, you all learning in church. Now, I could just talk about Jonah and the whale, but I could actually talk about some things that are going to matter tomorrow. I'm not saying Jonah and the whale don't, but how many already know the Jonah story? I'm just helping you. Somebody say, hold on to your faith. Say it again. Say, hold on to your faith. Do you know that this is one of the most fastest growing faiths in America right now? Do you know that there are more white, privileged probably, white Buddhists than there are Asian Buddhists in America right now? Yeah, this is growing right now in America. Why? Because they don't want to go to church anymore. They don't want to see a pastor in a shirt anymore. They would rather see big bosom pastor with the shirt off. That's what they want to see, belly popping up. That's what they want to see. And you say, well, why is that? Because they think, well, I've tried Christianity, and now I look at another religion, and it has enough similarity with Christianity that I'll give it a try. And then it has some things that I like about it that I don't like about Christianity. How about this, reincarnation? You don't do it right the first time, you get another chance. How many have ever played a video game before? How many have ever died in a video game before? How many came back? See, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Well, man, if I don't do very well in this video game, I'll just come back to the next one. You ever tried Super Mario Brothers back in the day and just kept giving those guys to death, you know, putting them to death so you could figure out how to jump and do a thing? You just kept sacrificing them. So, so you know, hey, man, he had to take one for the team. Okay, and it comes back again. I mean, I'm telling you, I would sacrifice about 100 of those Marios to get across. And that's what sometimes people think about life. Well, you know what? I'll change in the next one. This one I'm going to be a little wild in. But hold on. What if this was your only one? What if this was your only one? And what if this was a false god? What if this one was a deception that when they're praying and they think it gives glory to the God of the heavens and earth, it actually gives glory to a demon? Go back to the scriptures, please. Pray for India. Pray for Hindus. I've been to India three times and Nepal. I've been to the birthplace of Buddhism. I've been to the heart of Hinduism. And I want to tell you what God is moving in those nations. So what they're turning down and living, oh, put, you got to put this up, open door. Anyone need this bracelet to remind, remember to pray for the persecuted church, talk to me. Open door. Sometimes, uh, and they find the one with uh, India. Matter of fact, go to their Instagram, please. Uh, they changed their name. I don't know what it is. Someone uh, help him if you knew the new name of it. You look at the people of India, and you see how they come across in our culture, and you go, man, these people are amazing. They're vegetarian. They won't even eat a cow. Holy cow. Remember that with the cubs? And then, you know, you know Harry Carey would say, holy cow. Anybody remember that? That's, you know, that came from the Indian people, holy cows. They, they recognized a cow as like a goddess-type figure, okay? And we think about them that way because we see them in our culture. Hindus are actually just as extreme as Muslims towards Christians in their culture. Some of the worst persecution happening in the world right now is from Hindus that will be vegetarians, won't hurt that cow, but will beat Christians. We're going to put it up here. You're going to be ready for this? We're going to show Christians getting beat by Hindus. Don't be angry, but pray for them because I want to show you this. They put on a facade in our country 
that, you know, that these gurus love everybody and that, you know, Angelina Jolie is just going to eat, sleep, pray or whatever these little trends are and follow a guru. That's not what it looks like in their country. They hate Christians, the, the extreme ones, and there's a lot of them there. And the reason why they treat Christians like that is because Christians say this, there's only one God. He's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's only one avatar, one manifestation, because in their religion, there are a lot of avatars. And if you've ever seen the movie Avatar, anybody seen that? What is that? That's someone taking on another body, right? That's where it comes from. And so in their religion, someone's, uh, their gods are taking on bodies all the time. Krishna takes on body. This one takes on body. And uh, man, let me tell you, they do some nasty stuff with their bodies when they come down. Let me just tell you that. You don't want to see Shiva in a body. You don't want to see Krishna in a body. They, they get pretty nasty, ladies, especially. But listen to me here. When the Bible says Jesus Christ came down, it says he was the only unique begotten son of God. He said, all those who came before me were liars and robbers, and they were thieves. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus lived in a time of plurality of beliefs, and many people believing in manifestations of their God, but he stuck out among them. Are you able to find their new name, my brother? Okay, I'm going to get it for you right now. How many want to see this in India, at least so they can know to pray? Amen. Let me put this in here. I want you guys to be able to pray for India because when I say that um, this persecution is happening around the world, I want you to see it. Oh, Jesus. I believe I sent it to my wife. I was going to share it, but here's some of the reason why I don't share it like publicly. You, you can, and you definitely need to make people aware, but I don't like to do it in an exploitative way. Because it's shameful to watch how these people are treated. Maybe just go to Open Door USA, my brother, and then see what their Instagram feed is, and then put that up there for me, please. When you look to the Bible, it says that Jesus is our high priest. How many priests do we need if Jesus is our high priest? Only one and done. Do you need Father Tom today? No, but why do people go to Father Tom then? Why do they call him a priest? They say, well, our priests are just like pastors. No, they're not. Do you have to confess your sin to me? No. So why are you saying that? See, Catholics will try to play that game with you for a little bit until you try, you know, until you expose it and you show them that you know more than they do. Because at first they're going to take advantage of your ignorance that you don't know what they know. See, how many of you were raised Catholic? Not many, but a few. Wow. But that is a few here. But if you weren't raised Catholic and they go, well, our priest is like your pastor. No, it's not. You don't have to confess to me. But how many know you have to confess to them? How many know you have to confess to a priest? That's not, that's, that's not optional, y'all. That's something you have to do. Now, listen, I love Roman Catholics, but I'm just here to tell you, if Jesus is the high priest, how many priests do you need? Okay, now if they say, well, that's just like a pastor, well, show me anywhere in the New Testament someone calling themselves a priest then. Because I can show you that there are pastors, I can show you that there are elders, and the Bible says about us that we are a holy priesthood, all of us, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment, but why isn't anybody called by the name Father, then their name, and called a priest in the Bible if they're the same thing? They're not. Come on, brothers and sisters. How many, know, how many love a Roman Catholic enough to tell them the truth? 
Now, here's the thing about Roman Catholics. It's not a cult, so many of them may be going to heaven. So we don't want to come across to them like as if we're disrespecting what they're believing in the sense of the Trinity, Jesus as the Son of God. We don't know them. Talk to them individually. But you have to understand, if someone says to you, as a first response, if you ask them if you know Jesus or you're a Christian, and their thing is, I'm Catholic while I was raised Catholic, how many know chances are they don't have a relationship with God? The first answer to someone asking you if you've been born again or know Jesus shouldn't be, I go to Metro Praise. It should be, yes, I've been born again and tell a testimony. Amen? All right, brother, go ahead and click on this. This is what has happened uh, recently in India. So these people stormed the churches. They um, began to beat the pastors and the Christians. Yep, they're beating them. Look, look at no one stopping this. They burn their churches. They beat these pastors and these leaders. They're telling them never to come back. They start harassing the women. Thank God the women were not abused. But I couldn't take this, my friends, right now. Can we just pause for a second? How many know I'm saved, but I may not be that saved? <laughs> I would be like, look, there's about five of you. I can take all of you right now. I'm only going to persecution route when I can see you can beat me up. <laughs> after, I, after I feel like it's over for me, I'm getting beaten up, then I'm... <laughs> I'm getting slapped for Jesus. But there's about four or five of you guys, and you about this tall, and you got a little bamboo stick. Me and Wayman going to clear this whole place out in Jesus' name. You hit one cheek, that was for Jesus. The other one, this one's for me. I'm coming after you. That was Jesus' cheek. This one's now mine. No, I'm kidding. They're all Jesus' cheek. But I know you, you watch this, and you get American on America. America, come on, drop bombs on these guys. Where's the Navy SEALs? Rescue them. But you got these precious brothers and sisters getting beat for going to church. Everybody track with me here. And yet Hinduism is coming to America, and people are becoming Hindu, worshiping false gods, thinking that's the way to go. My friends, it's a deception. Hold to the faith. Go back to that scripture, please. Thank you, brother. You're doing awesome back there. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest, I only need one who has ascended into heaven. No one's done that. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. One more testimony about how to guard yourself against this world. Over and over and over again, I meet backsliders as a pastor. That means people who used to go to church, they stop going for a while and come back. Anybody want to be honest and say you used to be one of them, a backslider? Come on. And I meet them all the time. And I used to be when I was baptized three times, by the way. I know. I was baptized once as a child, maybe about eight years old. Then I was baptized as a teenager. I'm going to really live for Jesus now. That lasted a few, few weeks before I went back to shooting craps, drinking 40s, and getting high. I literally remember that was the day I left church. I went to shoot craps, drink 40s, and get high. You would have thought I was growing up with NWA, but us suburban kids were, were pretty wild ourselves. <laughs> we watched enough TV to be like, oh, this is how the cool kids do it. Go get a 40. A Dylan, okay, I'll go get one. Micah, you know, whatever. And I'm serious. My best friend was like Dylan, and Dylan would get the 40s. And uh, you know what? I lost all my money that night shooting craps. It got so bad for me. This is the first day I quit church as a teenager that I remember taking off my beanie that he liked. Because I always say we wanted to be like Cypress Hill. If anybody remembers that we wore beanies and flannels. And, you know, we wanted to look like that scene, right? He liked this beanie. 
I took off my hat and I said, man, how much can I get for this? He's like, man, I'll put $2 up for this. I lost my hat to my dude. Y'all hear me? The world out there is harsh, man. Ain't nobody love you like that. My worst day as a Christian, nobody took my hat. <laughs> Amen. Nobody in the church, man, got me drunk and then gambled away, every, you know, took everything I had. But that's what it was like in the world. And I'm not saying that there aren't sinners out there happy even winning at shooting craps, you know. Maybe some sinners were better at sinning than I was. But I shouldn't have been there that day. I should have been in church. But you know why I left church? Because somebody offended me. Being honest with you, somebody offended me. And I said, I'm out of here. Seriously. I told the pastor off. I looked at him and said, you don't love me. You don't love me. What's up, Dylan, man? Let's get high. Let's get the weed. Let's go get, you know, 40 and shoot craps. Think about that for a second. Even if that pastor did me wrong, does that mean I turn my back on Jesus? That would be like a lady here in the church doing me wrong, and then I go home saying, Nancy, I'm divorcing you. My wife would look at me like, what in the world are you talking? Well, this woman did me wrong over here, so I'm leaving you. Think about that. People get hurt in the church, and they leave Jesus. They leave Jesus. You can't let what somebody else has done to you get you to leave Jesus. Then there's others, let's just be honest, ain't nobody did none to you. You just like sin. Some of, come on, how many backsliders do I have in here? I guess I know. How many of you just did it because you like sin? It felt good. You just didn't want to go to church anymore. I remember during my backsliding years, I was like even saying to myself, man, I'm glad I don't have to worry about cussing anymore. I was like, blankety, blankety, blank, blank, blank. See, I can do as much as I want now. I remember doing that. I was a wicked sinner. Somebody say Amen. Amen. But I was. And I remember thinking, man, all these rules, they're gone, man. I don't have to worry about cursing. I don't have to go to Bible study. I don't have to go to church. I like sin. Sin feels good. Any parent telling your children that sin does not feel good, would you please stop lying to them? Because one day they're going to do something and it's going to feel good and they're going to be like, whoo, mama lied to me. I'm so serious. My parents always used to be like, drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. Drugs are not fun. Drugs are this, this, and that. I got high the first time, and I was like, woo, I like this. I, man, come on. Is this a Presbyterian church or a Pentecostal church with some testimonies? The first time, I mean, come on, man. The first time I got high, I was like, I like this. I literally called up everybody I knew, and I was like, man, you know what it's like to get high? They're like, no, man, I'm, six, I'm in sixth grade. I'm like, but dude, it's fun. It's fun to get high. I was like 13 or 14. I'm like, high is fun. I remember the first time I got drunk, I had the time of my life. But how many know sin's pleasurable for a moment? But in the end is death. How many know sex feels good for the moment? But you don't have sex in marriage. How many know that brings death to you mentally and spiritually? Oh, yeah, having sex, doing drugs, partying. I don't know what your flavor of sin was or is if you're here today as a backslider, but how many can relate to this? You ran into a brick wall at some point, even though the sin was fun. And maybe some of you never became an addict. Maybe you didn't go to the cocaine like, the cocaine like I started to do, and you didn't do the bad stuff. Okay, let's say you didn't go as far as I did, but how many knew at some point the party turned, turned bad on you? How many know bowing down to the porcelain god, the toilet got old after a while? Come on, somebody. Even if your sin wasn't extreme, you know, like Jersey Shore or whatever my friends were trying to be, even if yours was not like that, didn't you get to the point where you were like, man, 
This is not cool. This is not good. The Bible talks about that with the prodigal son being in sin and then coming to his senses as he's eating the pig food because that's really what it is in comparison to knowing God. God is not really keeping us from the best. God is actually keeping us from the things that are deceptive. When my children want to literally eat cotton candy every day, am I a bad parent by not letting them do that? No, because I'm giving them something better, aren't I? When God says, hey, I get it, drugs feel fun, sex outside of marriage feels fun, but says, that's not how I intended it, he's not doing that to take away the joys of life. He's saving us from going off the cliff. And I'm just being honest with you, brothers and sisters, some people here today in this new year could be possibly back out there by the time the year is over. Every time I see people wild out and backslide, I'm hurt a little bit because I'm like, man, I don't want them to experience what they're going to experience. But people are tempted by it every day. I'm tempted by it, but thank God I've been kept pure over almost 25 years. But the Bible says, hold on firmly. Because if you're not careful this year, an affair may be in your future. Let's just be honest. Did everybody start off the year last year thinking they were going to have an affair that had one? Most of them didn't. How about those today that are, you know, dealing with the issues of their lives through their addictions, their depressions? Did you think they started off 22 saying, that's what I want? No, man, these things come in very subtly. That's why the Bible says you have to have an image of this. You've heard the doctrine of it, but now look at the image. When you hear you have a great high priest, what image do you get in your mind? Someone like super-duper religious, right? But someone that takes care of others and helps them, right? So I think of Jesus dressed up like these Jewish priests, but I think of him being humble and caring about me like a priest should, right? What's the next thing you hear here? He's ascended to heaven. What image do you get with that? He's ascended to heaven. He's above us, and he's in the right spot. How many know when you fly, you can see things differently than you do when you're walking around down here? Y'all ever been on a plane? Y'all get out much? The first time I went on a private jet, a small little jet, it was right by my house. My daughter, Joyzy, where's Joyzy at? Joyzy, say hi to everybody. Everybody say hi, Joy. That's my Joyzy. She's uh, in our house, kind of the spoiled one. So we were sitting down one day in our backyard, and there's a private airport right around us where they fly these uh, prop planes, these propeller planes, and they, zzz, you know, go pretty low. You can see them going around you. Well, one day, Joyce saw one, and she said, I want to go on one. Uh, you know, that melted my heart. I called up, figured it out, and took her on a private jet. Amen. Just a few bucks. They do these things for kids all the time, little mini pilot programs, mini eagles or something they call it. Well, one of the cool things was is I got to go. I talked to them into bringing old dad along, you know. First of all, you ain't taking my kids without me. That's the first thing. Uh, I don't know you and what can go on in that plane. So I'm coming, but can I come? You know, I asked. And sure, they said, sure. And, and uh, he said, where do you live? And I'm like, I live right over here. And he goes, oh, that will take us two minutes. Take us about 15 minutes to drive there. He said, but as the bird flies, as we are in a plane, we'll be there in two minutes. So I'm like, cool. And we, we started flying around in about two minutes. And he's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, it's cool, man. It's cool. And he's like, no, but where's your house? And I'm like, what do you mean where's my house? He said, we're above your house. We're over the street you gave me. And I said, no, we're not. And he said, yeah, we are. But you see, I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize how many see your house from 10,000 feet up every day. You don't see it like that unless you're on Google Maps or something. I couldn't even recognize my own house because I was flying up so high. It looked so different. Then I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's the park. That's my house, man. That's my driveway. Oh, I get it. 
Listen, when you think of Jesus ascending to heaven, how do you think he looks down on what we're going through right now? How do you think Jesus looks at your problems right now? I bet you in heaven it's not even the same way. It don't even look the same. What you're freaking out over, Jesus says, I have a perspective that is so much higher than what you're seeing. See, you and I are supposed to get that imagery in our mind. We have a high priest. Yes, he's religious, and he's super smart, and he's really intense in what he believes, but he cares for us, and he's ascended, and there he is in heaven. And what does heaven tell us? He's next to the Father. That means anything that we need, we can communicate to him, and he'll communicate to the Father. Why would you ever want to let go of that? Come on, somebody. Be honest with yourself right now. Know yourself, as they used to say. Know thyself. Because if you don't know yourself, you won't recognize the temptation of the enemy. If you were the devil, how would you tempt you? Come on. If you were a little sneaky, sniveling demon, what would you tell you to get you off track? What would you give you? Be honest with your weaknesses. The Bible says, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Be honest with the bait that would draw you out and bring you into Satan's kingdom. Well, something happened to my family. And if it was a tragedy and I couldn't understand it, man, I might get thrown off of my belief in God. Like, God, how could you allow my child to get harmed in this way? Or if an opportunity presented itself at my job with this person, I might actually have an affair. Because what you'll see in your heart is that which God wants to deal with. If you're not holding on to Jesus, you're holding on to something else. And the world will try to tempt you with those things and say, look at us. That's why I always used to preach against desperate housewives because desperate housewives was introducing adultery in a cute little person like Eva Longoria. So when you looked at it, you didn't see it like you saw it in the book of Proverbs as if it was like a witch coming to take everything that you have. You looked at it like, oh, that's just Eva Longoria. Yeah, that's my girl. And, and, and hey, come on, I live in a, a place like that. Would you want me to cheat on my wife with Eva Longori, even, even though Eva's so cute? What would that do to my wife? What would that do to my kids? But what did that, what did that sitcom do? See, it all starts somewhere. Ellen kissing the first girl on, on uh, TV on a syndicated show. You get what I'm saying? They're bringing you down. They're lowering your guard. Same thing. Oh, adultery, most people are going to be opposed to it. But let's put these actresses and these people in this show where they look cute and they look fun and there's not really those bad of consequences. And they get people to let go of the thing they're supposed to be holding on to. David said it like this, who have I in heaven but you? You see, you let go of this, what do you got now? You got somebody in heaven? No, you don't. You got a high priest? No, you ain't got one of those either. You have the son of God? No, you're left now to your own devices. That's why no matter what these religions give you as their flavor, let's say you go to the you know, Baskin's 31 uh, you know, flavors of ice cream, you go to Baskin Robbins, and you look there at that ice cream. If it is not Jesus, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all poison. Oh, but this one got my favorite stuff in it. This is chocolate chip cookie dough with a little bit of extra caramel, all that. No, no. If that's not God's, that's poison. Because how many know if somebody was sick and put anthrax in each one of those tubs, and only had one that didn't have it. How many know it doesn't matter how good those other ones are, they're all poison. And what I see in this generation, brothers and sisters, is people wanting to let go of Jesus the high priest. And they don't understand that what they're taking and putting in that place is poison. And it will impact your life. 
If I could just encourage you to hold on to Jesus today, I've done my job. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But there's so much more to go. Look at your neighbor and say, that was the introduction. That literally was the introduction. I don't mean that to be funny this time. We have a lot to go. How many are ready, though? Amen. So hold on to Jesus. Verse 15. Why? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with, with our weakness, empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not what? He did not sin. Jesus Christ did not sin so that he could help you not to sin. Remember when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have what? Trespassed against us. And lead us not into what? Temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. How does the Father do that? He does it through Jesus Christ. Anybody here ever been tempted? In your temptation, have you come to your high priest to ask for help? And I'm sure you've overcome. You can't sin and have a prayer life at the same time. You have to stop praying to sin. You have to stop talking to your high priest. See, when people talk to me and they say, well, pastor, it's so hard. It's so hard. I can't stop sinning. I say, well, did you ever start praying? Because if you never started praying, you don't understand the freedom to stop sinning. Stop sinning is not willpower. I know a lot of people want to talk about that today. Self-help gurus want to talk about self-discipline. It is a fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says you should have self-discipline, but it's not how you stop sinning. Even those who pretend to think about nothing so that they can meditate and get free from all of their sins and all of these different clinics are still sinning the greatest sin, which is pride, which makes them think that they can do it all by themselves. Oh, I don't need God. Just tell me to do the crooked chicken, mm, and then I'll meditate my problems away. Pride. Pride. How did you think meditating, doing the crooked chicken was going to make you a better person? Did you give yourself your own brain, your own legs, your own oxygen? Just think about oxygen. Come on. How about this? Think about the one who made the oxygen. Put your attention on God and not just any old, you know, kind of cloudy, esoteric, somewhere up there, fairy type God. No, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Put your focus on him, the high priest, and you'll find the solution to your struggles with sin. Because it's worked every time for me. There has never been a time that I have been tempted with sin and I came to my high priest that I then gave into that sin. In other words, 10 out of 10 times that I have sinned, it's because I stopped asking my high priest to help me. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Church, believe it today because the high priest is there to help you. Verse 16. And let's just say this. How many know Father Tom can't do that for you? I was talking to my friend once. He was coming to this church. He said, why do you make fun of Catholics? I said, first of all, I'm not intending to. I'm just, I just speak in such a way where truth sometimes sounds funny, but I'm not actually cracking jokes or whatever. That's not my thing. He said, but why do you do it? What if I bring a Catholic friend here or something? You know, how would they, you know, look at that? And I'm like, I hope they would see the truth in it. I mean, honestly, I, okay, I'll be serious. Somebody say serious. Let's get serious. Can Father Tom help me in my time of weakness to stop sinning? Can he? I'm not talking about him doing the naughty things that have been said in scandals. I'm just talking the greatest priest you've ever met. No, he can't. So why, don't my, why am I going there anyway? You see, my friend, they're setting you up to fail. 
And then they blame it on God. I can't tell you how many people I've met, and they'll do it now with bishops and everything. Well, my bishop is this, and then they let me down and did this. You know, that now I can't live for Jesus. Listen to me. The whole reason why you're never supposed to see me that way or any other person that way is because there's only one high priest that deserves that role. When you, when you come up here to pray with the brothers and sisters up here, we are not your priests in that way. What we're doing is help activating your relationship with him so that you can be like us and be close to him. That's all we're doing. We're just one baker who found bread showing you where it's at, man, showing you where they're giving it out today. I don't take credit for it. And that's the thing. When you set people up like that, even parents, please hear me on this. When you set your kids up to look at you that way, I'm not trying to speak failure over your life. I'm just speaking realistically. When you're not there for them in ways to help them in their spirituality, of course, you're supposed to disciple and teach. But if they look to you as their answer, they're going to blame God for your failures. You have to tell them. This is what I tell parents to do because I definitely do my best, come on, kids, to demonstrate this. When dad makes a mistake, dad asks Jesus for forgiveness. Where do I go for help? I go to Jesus. I can't now go to my dad and say, dad, fix my life. Dads can't fix lives. As much as they love us, parents can't fix life. They can give us good advice, but the best advice they're supposed to give us is go to Jesus. So parents, I know we can be overwhelmed. I don't want to make it just sound easy on a Sunday, but I want to be honest with you. When you see your children going through the worst situations or the biggest temptations and you have all these concerns for them, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Say, well, that sounds really difficult. I may not have all the the answers, but I know Jesus does. Let's pray. And listen to me, young people. I know that sounds cheap and corny sometimes. Well, you know, I, I, well, you might talk to one of your friends at school. Did you tell them your problems, your parents, your problems? Yeah, and then what did they do? Oh, they just told me to pray about it. Yeah, you might sound like, think that's corny because you may want to call up a hotline and all of that and get like 10 steps and, and this and that and a, and, and, a, and a guru to watch over you. But listen, if your mom has taught you how to pray, she's taught you what gurus don't even know. She's taught you what counselors don't even know. Look at the depression rate for psychologists right now. Look at the suicide rate among doctors right now. Mama's teaching you something that they don't even know. It doesn't mean you can't have a doctor in your life. It doesn't mean Dr. Phil don't have a place. But Dr. Phil, after been doing what he does 9 to 5, he needs to sit right here and learn from Dr. Jesus. Amen. How many know Dr. Phil need to come to church? And so people, they get confused and they get messed up in life because they're looking to people to do what only God can do. Jesus is my high priest. He knows what it's like to live without sin. That's why he came in the flesh, brothers and sisters. And then notice this. Let us approach God's throne of what? Judgment? Let's approach God's throne of what? Religion? No, approach God's throne of grace. With what? Confidence. Thank you. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm not, I'm not just picking on pastors, priests, and all this. Listen, those are good positions if they're done right. If you have a leader in a church and they want to help you, teach you how to pray, that's great. You, you come to me for advice, I'm here to do that. The leaders of the church are here to do that. But the greatest thing I can ever give you, brothers and sisters, is the way to approach God. I remember being eight years old, having a babysitter light up a cigarette as she was watching me. And I was aware enough to know she shouldn't be doing that. And so I left the house. She was smoking on our front porch. And I started walking around the neighborhood. And I was disturbed. It bothered me. 
I can only imagine the trauma that children go through who have it much, much worse than that. Just one babysitter smoking in front of me, being raised in the church, messed with me. It was trauma just that, that day. Somebody said that was pastor's trauma. Amen. Yours might be different, but that was mine. And so I started walking around the block, and you know what God said to me? This is God speaking to me at eight years old. I'll never forget it. He said, sing me a song. Because I used to like to sing it to myself. You know, these little kids, they sing to themselves all the time. Eight years old, Brother Wayman, I started singing God a song about what was going on in my heart. I don't remember the words. It might have been something like, I feel scared. <laughs> She's smoking a cigarette. Am I going to get hurt? That's what I was thinking. But you'll help me, Jesus. I'm 45 years old now. I still sing my prayers to Jesus. I'm still singing to him. You know why? Because he hears me. He hears my heart. And then, I, and then my parents came home. I told on her and she got fired. But Jesus brought me peace. Victor Plymeyer, or, or excuse me, Richard Warmbrandt, was arrested in Romania and put into solitary confinement in Siberia for years. They would douse him with cold water, Siberia, think about that, strip him of his clothes and his food. Do you know how he said he got through the worst persecution of his life as they abandoned him? He would walk around in a circle singing songs to Jesus. He would say, may the fire of your love fill my body now, give me heat. He was singing a song about the fire of God's love giving him heat. He survived persecution. You see, these things, my brothers and sisters, that actually come natural to us are actually the most spiritual. Sometimes we think having an interaction with our high priest, we have to be so, uh, so religious. And some of you young people, you hear the preacher preach and they preach loud or mama pray and they pray so good. And you think to yourself, you don't know how to talk to Jesus like that. No, you can approach God's throne of grace with confidence and know that he hears you. You can just know that. You can, if, if I taught you anything today, it's that there's a high priest that loves to hear from you and he's ready to help you. And he'll give you, he'll give you grace. He'll give you grace. There still may be consequences for your sins. The Bible talks about God's judgment and things coming, uh, you know, upon people. You, you know, people in the church have confessed sins to me, and, I'm, and they want to be forgiven. And I go, okay, I can teach you how to do that. But then I had to tell them, but now we have to call the police. I remember one young man going through a situation like this. He told me it, and I said, okay, well, we got to call the police now, and you've got to make this right. And they're probably going to arrest you. But I'm going to be here for you. But more importantly, God is going to be there for you. Now, I told that story one time, and a sweet lady came to me. She goes, Pastor, if I confess to you that I'm an illegal immigrant, you're going to call La Migra on me? No, no, no. Those are different kinds of laws. I'm talking about breaking the moral laws of God that need to be punished in this world. And he took those steps of faith. And that was the best thing for him. See, God forgave him. God gave him grace. And God had to be with him as he went to jail. He needed that. That was part of what he had to go through because that kind of a crime had to be dealt with. My friends, there may be consequences for what we do wrong in this world. If you ask the Lord to forgive you after you didn't study for a test, he's probably still going to fail that test. But you'll know that God's grace is with you so that you can go back through those things. And today that young man is out of jail. I won't mention his name. And he loves Jesus and he's doing great. And you know what? He would probably testify, at least I hope he would, that pastor did the right thing. And let me tell you this, this is an as a opposite of that. I met a, year, a dear, precious sister. She used to come to our youth group, but she belonged to another church. And I met her again at 
the seminary that I was going to in Chicago. And we, we saw each other out there. We started talking. I was like, oh, wow, what's going on? I remember you. How's everything going? And then she said, oh, not so good. And I said, well, what happened? She said, well, you know the church that I was going to? She, I said, yeah. She said, well, my dad worked at that, or my stepdad worked at that church. I believe it was stepfather. And she goes, and he abused me. And I told the church. And they said, just forgive him, and let's not report it, and go back home with him, and then hopefully he won't do it again. She said, I stopped believing in God after that. She said, I still deal with that emotionally. I don't know if she graduated school. I think she did. But the last time I heard from her, my wife showed me a picture. She's in a lesbian relationship. Messed her up. Broke her. Are you listening to me? And it wasn't her fault. The sin was done against her. And a pastor wasn't there to help out. Because, yes, there was grace for that dude in the church to be forgiven. But he also needed to go to jail with that grace. And you see, if we don't stand on the justice of God, we're giving people the impression that anything goes. Grace doesn't mean anything goes. What grace means is you're not going to get what you deserve because God loves you. Amen? And so, brothers and sisters, although some extreme situations, but I pray it encourages you to have confidence to come to Jesus whenever you're in trouble, and then whatever uh, consequences you need to have upon your life, take them on with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last few verses here. I feel like we can get through this today. How many want to get through it? You guys got some time? All right. I, feel, I still feel like we're on holiday time. I don't know why, but no, y'all ain't on holiday time. I'm on holiday time. I have a kid. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. The, they offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. Everybody go, I learned something. Amen. That's what priests do. Let's keep going. Verse 2. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he is able to offer up sacrifices for his own sins as well as the sins of others. That's why there's priests and that's what they do. Verse 4. And no one takes this honor on themselves, but he receives it when God calls them just as Aaron was. Verse 5. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Verse 6, and he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Nancy, get me a gift card out of the office, please. No one Google. Everybody checking, no one Google. And nobody who's gone to Bible college answered this question. I'm going to give you a gift card. I'm going to wait for Nancy to get it. But how many know Jesus is our high priest? Just like Aaron was our high priest. Amen? Now ask yourself this question. If Jesus is my high priest, do I need another priest? No. Ask yourself this now. If Jesus is my high priest, do I need to be ashamed to come to him? No, you can have confidence. Last question. If Jesus is my high priest, do I need any other sacrifice? No, his sacrifice is all you need. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged by that today. You don't have to suffer more with your problems and think I'm paying for my bad karma. That's not the way to think about your life. God can set you free from problems right now that you probably deserve to suffer for a long time, but he can do it in a moment. I know that I deserve to suffer for a lot of the things that I did as a sinner, but you know what God said? Joe, I'm making you a new creation. All things will be behind you. All the things of the past will go, and behold, all things will become new. Brothers and sisters, don't beat yourself up today because of the past. Many of you will look back at your past and feel ashamed. That's true. But now in the cross, there is no more shame. 
You can't drive looking back. Do you want to go into somebody's car today driving as they look back like this? Hey, guys, where are we going today? Bro, you put your eyes on the wheel, man, before we go to heaven. Okay? I always tell my kids, you're going to meet Jesus one day, but you don't have to meet him today. Would you, call, would you calm down a little bit? How many know sometimes kids are crazy and they scare you, you know? I'm like, you're going to meet him, okay, but you don't need to meet him today. Hallelujah. Here's a gift card. How much are these for, boo? $10. Why did Jesus need to become a priest through Melchizedek? Gift card for anybody who wants to raise their hand in church today. Starbucks on us. How many, how many know? Anybody? Why did Jesus have to become a priest through Melchizedek? Notice there's the word order of Melchizedek. It says, you are a high priest forever. This is a prophecy of Psalm 110 in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, I'll keep this up here. And how many know this is why I have a job? <laughs> Amen. Oh, okay, young man. This is one of our Bible quiz star, Evan Govea. Yo, yo. Why, my brother? Oh, you're so close by repeating the words of the question back to me. I appreciate that. And because I don't want to look like a bad guy, I'll still give this to you. Come on up. Let's give it up for Evan. Because he was the only one that tried. Amen. I'll get another one for you, young man. What's, what's the reason? So close. He's a righteous king. He was also a priest. That is very close. Zechariah talks about Joshua becoming a, key, a priest and a king, but it never actualizes. It's a prophecy, and that's Joshua in the Old Testament, Zechariah 6, 9. What tribe was David, I mean, I just gave it away, but uh, what tribe was Jesus born into? Judah from David's lineage. Do priests come from Judah? No. Who comes from Judah? Kings. Through David. So how many know you have to have another order now? So there's this ancient figure in the Old Testament. I like this look that some of y'all giving me like, mm, I'm learning some pastor. I'm glad we pay you. You all right. You all right. Give him a raise. Give him a raise. No, I just put that in your mouth. But here, but listen, there had to be another order for Jesus to be a priest if he was also going to be the son of David. Thank you. There had to be another order. And so if you look in the Bible, there's this mysterious guy who is a king and he's a priest and he only shows up one time with Abraham, the very one God is making the covenant with to start the Arianic priesthood. We'll be getting more into it, into Hebrews. That's why I asked some of you to go back and listen to Leviticus because Levi comes from that tribe. Uh, Aaron comes from that tribe of Levi and that's where the priesthood comes from. And the book of Hebrews is going to make the argument, who is greater, Aaron, who goes through Levi to Abraham, or Melchizedek, who Abraham gives a tithe to. And so the argument is going to be, Melchizedek is greater than Levi. Number one, he wasn't even born yet. He wasn't even around. Aaron wasn't around. Levi wasn't around. And Abraham, the great granddaddy of them all, tithe to that one. Everybody listening to me today? Come on. So when Jesus comes along, we know he's a king. That's why he had to come through the tribe of Judah. That's why he had to be born from the lineage of David. But how does the Messiah become a priest? Through the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Lawrence, would you come, please? Some people slam dunk balls. You know, some people do. That's, this is what I do. Come on. Amen. Did you learn something? I hope you did because 
If you talk to a Jewish person that's smarter than you and they've been studying, they'll rock you pretty hard and they'll say, how is Jesus a priest? Because he's from the tribe of Judah and Judites don't make priests. Levites do. But if you've been studying your word, you can say, hold up, wait a minute. Go back. Go back to Melchizedek, my son, my brother, and you'll see that's the order my Messiah is in. And guess what? That prophecy is in the Psalms. David said that. David speaking about the Messiah said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And then later on he says about that one, David, the king speaking, says, you are a priest forever, O Messiah. And that's what he's talking about, Lord, in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers, petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. But how many know he still went to the cross? Don't doubt God hearing your prayers just because you go through bad things. Well, I prayed and I still went through it. Didn't Jesus pray to take the cup from him? If there's any other way, take this cup from me. Jesus prayed that too, right? But he still had to face it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Please don't ever uh, doubt God because bad things happen in your life. If you ever feel that way, look to Jesus and the bad things that happened in his life. All bad things will be rectified on judgment day, and all the evil that's been done to you will be brought back a hundredfold by the presence of God. So don't be discouraged when you cry and you still face what you face. You, you let out your heart to God and then you still have to go through it. Don't get discouraged, brothers and sisters. What that is teaching you is, is now God is going with you. Anybody remember Footprints in the Sand? It's an old story. Many uh, probably here haven't heard it, but I grew up hearing it. And there's a man walking with Jesus. There's two footprints in the sand. And then he looks back on his life. And at the places where life got the hardest, there was only one footprint in the sand. And so then he asked Jesus. He said, Jesus, why is it when life got so hard, you left me and I was all alone? That's why there's only one footprint there. And Jesus goes, no, that's when you couldn't walk and I carried you. Those are my footprints. It's an old story, but it's so good to remember. You're going through something, brother or sister, and it may be so hard to, to face it and, it, and it may be scary, and life can be like that. And you might feel like, uh, does God hear me? I'm still going through this because if he did, he would do something different. No, no, no. God hears us, and if you're going through it, he's going to get you through it. Amen. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I wonder how many people have had to walk through valleys reciting that psalm over and over to themselves, saying, this is a dark valley, but I know you're the light and the lily of the valley. This is a troubling time, but I know your rod and staff, they'll protect me. Verse 8, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. I know sometimes we as faith people, we hate saying that God uses our suffering to teach us things. We want to pray out of it every single time. But then you know what happens? Sometimes bad things happen to us. And then we have to deal with it. One of the most popular healing uh, you know, evangelists, Bill Johnson from Bethel, speaks about healing all the time. Lost his wife last year to cancer. Devastating. Here's a place that talks about healing all the time. It's almost like, man, go to, go to Bethel if you want to see a healing miracle. Bill Johnson's got the faith. All the speakers that they have, they're some of the most well-known people who pray for healing. Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, some of these names you may not know, but study them. They're an awesome people. Everybody's praying for Benny. That's her name, right, Benny? Everybody was praying for Benny. She still died. 
Bill Johnson comes back, and I would recommend anybody to, to watch it. It's online. It's Bill Johnson's first sermon back. You know what he says? I learned something through that time. I wouldn't have chosen to learn something through my wife dying of cancer. It wouldn't have been my uh, class to sign up for. What you doing? Taking Poli Sci 101, Math 201. No, no. I'm going to take my wife dies of cancer. Three credit hours. I'll take, no. You wouldn't have picked that. But he said what he learned about Jesus brought him this close. He thought he was as close to Jesus as he could be until he went through his wife dying of cancer. And he said, oh, there was still space that could be covered. There was still a way to draw closer to his side. And so, brothers and sisters, listen to this. A son, though he was the most treasured gift of heaven, he learned because he grew like us. He didn't come out of the womb speaking English, doing backflips. He learned from what he suffered. All the times they persecuted him, all the times they misunderstood him, all the betrayals, even up to the very end. He's learning the experience of a human submitted to God. That's why sometimes people say, who's God talking to when he's talking? Is he talking to himself? Somebody say the Trinity. First thing is we believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. They speak to each other. Second thing is, now that the Son is on earth, do you want him to go silent with the Father? I'm not talking to you anymore, Dad. It's not going good for me down here. No, what do you think Jesus is going to do? He's going to talk to his Father. If he talked to him in heaven, don't you think he's going to talk to him on earth? Oh, Father, look how crazy these people are. I know, son. You know. So when Jesus is praying, it's not him praying to himself. It's him praying to his Father. But then if he's God, he knows everything's going to work out. So why is he doing that anyway? Well, because he became like us. To suffer like us so that he could identify with us to be a high priest for us. So the way I say it, when God became man, he didn't stop being God. He just focused on being man. He dialed down what he would experience in his God nature to amp up what he would in his human nature. So when the Holy Spirit wouldn't want him to know something, he would purposely block that out of his mind. And he would only know what the Holy Spirit told him. Are you guys listening? Come on, somebody say amen. You have to believe this. Otherwise, you're going to think Jesus doesn't understand. And he does. Fully man. Every betrayal, fully man. Every whip on his back, fully man. Every fear, fully man. Everything he went through as what? Fully man. And he suffered. But he learned and then once made perfect. How do you make something that's perfect? Perfect. It's already perfect. That's in his obedience. See, God was always perfect in his nature, but he wanted to show us as a man he could obey the Father perfectly. And he did it all the way to the end. That's why, oh, thank you, Jesus. No one is like my Jesus. Hallelujah. You became perfect from what you suffered so that through my suffering I can know that you understand so that he could become the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. There is nobody like Jesus. 
There is nobody like him. You could be going through the worst things you've ever faced in this world. And Jesus says, I understand. I got your back and you're coming with me. The devil doesn't win. The enemy has been defeated. He's under my feet. You're more than a conqueror. Heaven is your home. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Behold, I come quickly and I have rewards with me. He became the source of our salvation and designated by God to forever be our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And we're going to see that repeated over and over and over again throughout Hebrews. That's why we don't need more religion. That's why we don't need more priests. It's not that those things aren't important, religion and priests. It's that we have it all in Jesus. He's the one and done, the one-stop shop. If you have Jesus, you have it all. And if you don't have Jesus, you got nothing, baby. Can you stand up and give it up for him today? Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus! Woo! Hallelujah! Banded altar workers, would you come, please? I'm just going to bless you with this today, sister. Thank you for your, your support. Always love seeing you on the front row. Come on, let's pray before we go. Let's talk to our high priest. If you're not a Christian, you can do so right now. Become one. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Represent me before the Father. Be my lawyer. Be my priest. Be my bodyguard from the devil and help with the Father. You need a bodyguard from the protection from the devil and you need a lawyer with the Father. Come on, talk to Jesus if you haven't before. Just say, Jesus, I need your help. I call you. If you're already a Christian, talk about what's going on in your life right now. I'm not your priest in that way, but I can help you see the approach to God. I can help light that path for you. I hope today that you see you can take off with Jesus. Don't be afraid, brother or sister, by what you're suffering. There's a God who understands. There's someone walking with you today. And guess what? You just don't have to endure it. You can also pray to break through it in the name of Jesus. We can still pray for healing and he hears us. We can pray for deliverance. We can pray for mental peace. We can pray for our lost city to change. God still answers these prayers. It's happening even right now. A few moments, talk to them. And if you need help with praying, that's what these folks are here for. You can feel free to come. We'll worship in just a moment and dismiss. But would you focus on the high priest? Jesus, you're my high priest. Oh, carry my burdens. Carry my sorrows. Bring me healing, deliverance, wisdom. Set me free, Jesus. Come on, some of you just need to say that right now. Set me free. Some of you have bad habits. Talk to your high priest. Come on, I've been smoke-free over 25 years, pornography-free 25 years, drug-free. I didn't take 12 steps. I took one step to Jesus. Somebody here can get off pornography right now if you ask him to set you free. Somebody here right now may never look at drugs again and do them. Someone right here can be free from suicide right now, never again. The ideation breaks. I still believe. Come on, hold firmly to this faith. My brothers and sisters, hold on. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on. Come on, hold on. Come on, somebody say, I'm holding on to you, Jesus. Somebody needs to hold on. Come on, the old timers used to say it like that. I'm holding on to Jesus, and he's holding on to me.
Oh, he's holding on to you. As you reach out your hand, he's holding on to you. You may not have the strength. You may not have the wisdom. But there's somebody on the inside of you today that loves you more than you can imagine. He laid down his life so he could be with you. He's the hero of the story. He's the main character. And he'll never let you down. Come on, I'm holding on, Jesus. I'm holding on to your promises. Somebody pray for your family right now. Pray for lost loved ones, spouses that may don't know, maybe don't know the Lord. Some of you young people, your parents. I'm holding on for my mom. I'm holding on for my dad. I'm holding on for my sister. I'm praying until something happens. Woo! Push. Pray until something happens. He hears our prayers. He hears your prayer, brothers and sisters. They are precious to him. Even if you go through these trials, he hears your prayer. Be at peace. Be at peace in the name of Jesus. Satan, I rebuke you now over the lives of those here. Come on, sometimes you got to beat up the bully. We rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Loose these people and let them go. Loose our families. Loose our city in the name of Jesus. We call on Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The devil knows his time is short. Jesus is coming. Get right or you're going to get left. Jesus is coming. We're calling on the name of Jesus. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Somebody needs to say it and believe it. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. 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 Every defeat that's held you back, God says is over. It's in the past. There is victory on the horizon. Say it now. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Oh, thank God. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory. Victory. Victory over depression. Victory over anxiety. You're not the only one to have it, but you're going to get set free today. Victory. You're not the only one to have sleepless nights, but the Bible says his saints have blessed sleep. Hallelujah. You're getting rest today. Victory. Victory. Hallelujah. Night terrors be gone. Nightmares be gone. Wicked dreams and imaginations be gone. Victory. Hallelujah. Come on, pray for India right now. You know that when I went there, those who are praying up here are in their seats. Keep praying if you need to, but if you can listen, hear this testimony. When I went to India, I was so overwhelmed by everything that I saw and all the need, but I was so amazed on what God was doing. And I said to one of them brothers, I said, what can I do for you as I get back to America? And he said, pray for India. Just stay on the root key of whatever we're in, please. He said, pray for India. And he said, the missionaries taught us this song. Now we teach it back to the missionaries. Pray for India. People pray for India. 
Oh, pray for India. That's what he taught me. He taught me to pray for India. Pray for them, brothers and sisters, right now. God, we lift up Southeast Asia. We pray for freedom to come. We pray for revival to come where they've burned down those churches. We pray for 10 more to be built in their place. For those pastors that were whipped and beaten, we pray for healing to come. We pray for strength to come. May they know they're not alone, that the the heavenly host is with them today. And if they suffer, may they learn to be closer to you, Jesus. Oh, we pray for the nations. Now lift up whatever nation the Lord's put in your heart. We pray for Latin America, South America. We pray for Asia. We pray for the islands. Hallelujah. We pray for the Middle East. Hallelujah. Our high priest hears us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray for the war to end with Russia and Ukraine. We pray for North Korea to get saved. Hallelujah. We pray for the corruption to leave our land. We pray for the perversion to cease in Jesus' name. We pray for Israel to be at peace. Hallelujah. When you got a high priest, you get some confidence when you pray, don't you? A few more moments, confidently pray. Pray for your family. Pray for your community. He hears us. He gives us grace. He gives us mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Wayman, will you close us out in prayer, please? Those who are praying, please keep coming up. If you want to worship, you can come on up. Wayman, once you dismiss us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Yeah, I'm just reminded by the word of the Lord that says it's by the blood of Jesus that we can come into the holiest of holies. It's by the blood of Jesus, by the high priest, that, that, we can, that we have been drawn near, it says. We've been drawn nigh unto God. So I want to remind you today that as you leave this place, you are near God. You're not far away from God. You've come into His presence. And Father, we thank You for Your presence in this house. We thank You for the anointing that's in this house, God. We thank You for the fire that is in this house. We thank you, God, for the blood that covers every family, every child in this house. We bind every enemy attack in the name of Jesus. You said the weapons that we have are mighty in you, O God. Lord, we declare the mighty weapons of God. Lord, we pull down every high place. We pull down every thought, every imagination that would acknowledge itself against you, God. We pull it down today in the name of Jesus. Lord, and we declare and decree a new season of a metro praise, God. I thank you. And we release healing over the city of Chicago. Father, we lift up Chicago as we leave today. God, we pray, save Chicago. Save Chicago. God, every man, woman, and child in Chicago, Father, we cry out, great high priest, oh, great high priest, save Chicago. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. God bless you, saints.
Have a wonderful week. Please feel free to pray and stay as long as you like. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a great day. Hang out with your high priest this week. Share him with others. Amen. Would you like?